0: well hello everybody and welcome to rediscovering your passion and purpose with patty and as you are affectionately getting to know i am patty stulen and i am the chief pathfinder of pathways with patty and this is a very special edition of my podcast series. And why would that be? It is because of my guest. Now, what makes this guest any more special than any of my other incredible people? Well, the fact is, if it wasn't for this particular guest, you wouldn't be seeing me or listening to me right now because I would not exist because my special guest today is my mom. That's right, it is my mom, and uh, I know that you don't see me with the fancy studio stuff on because I happen to be home for a couple of days, and kind of a spur thing, I asked her, you want to be a guest on my podcast, and uh, she said yes, so good morning, mom, how are you?
1: Good morning, Patty, I am doing great.
0: Excellent, well, this is my mom, Carolyn Stulen. And uh, she's the reason that I'm doing this and I have done so much more in my life. And that's why the title of this podcast series is so uh, important because she is part, she's half of the foundation. My dad was the other half of the foundation. And I think you would agree, mom, if he was still alive and he was still here, he would definitely want to be a guest on the podcast as well, wouldn't he?
1: Oh, yes. And he would probably take over your podcast. <laughs>
0: he would. He would. It, it would. it would be with Passion and Purpose with Patty and Bob. Bob and Patty is what it would end up being. But exactly. one of the things is that I know you and I have been talking about, Mom, over the last couple of days. And actually, the past couple of weeks, as you've been hearing uh, several of the podcasts that have been being been uh Broadcast, that's the word, that's the word. Uh, Podcasts have been broadcast so far is that you have been able to find almost in everybody's story things that relate to you and your life story. And um, so that's why I felt it was really important uh, for you to share your story with everybody today. Uh, not only for your family and friends to hear your story, but for others out there, because no matter what our age is or where we are in this stage of our life, uh, we find that through the different stages in our lives that we keep rediscovering our passion and purpose, and that's what keeps us moving forward. And I know hearing all of my life about stories of your upbringing and the things in your life you are the perfect candidate for someone that deserves to be on this podcast. So with with all of that, I, what I basically would like for you to start out and do, why don't you tell everybody uh, your upbringing, where you you know where you were born, where you were raised and the type of home that you you were raised in?
1: Well, I was born in Santa Ana, California uh, in May of 1942. And uh, there was a hospital there that was called the Sergeant's Maternity Ward. And when I was little and people would ask me, where were you born? I would say I was born in the old soldier's home, which would really tickle my mother. And uh, they would say, actually, it's the old Sergeant's Community Hospital turned into Santa Ana Community Hospital. But anyway, that's my funny beginning. I don't tell this story very often to anybody outside of my family, but since I have been listening to Patty's other podcasts of the people that she has had on here and read stories that she got to put an article in the book called Impact, uh, I figured I had something to tell that maybe would help other people in this day and age where we're going through a very uncertain world And if so, I felt obligated to tell some of my story. I was the baby of a family of four. There was 10 years difference between my oldest sister and I, and there were two brothers in between. I don't remember a whole lot of living as a family with all four of us because way back in the day, Unfortunately, we had a father that maybe in those days, uh, men were taught to teach their children differently. Uh, Nowadays, we call it abusive and uh, psychologically damaging for your children. And um, so unfortunately, this is what we lived with. I found out bits and pieces of kind of things that happened in our family. So I'm only telling what I know and what I've been told. Whether it's the truth or not, I'll have no way of knowing. I just know in the latter part of my life, a lot of bad things that happened to me and my family became the roadmap for me to know what not to do, and what to do to become a productive, good Christian citizen. So, to kind of start, um, my dad was very, very abusive to my mother. And abusive is putting it nicely. Um, I hate to use the word, but he beat her and us kids got to watch this happen. The two older kids tried to interfere as much as possible and I didn't see as much as what they seen but what I did see of him with my mother, he was uh, abusive to animals which if anybody that knows me, animals are a top notch like my kids are to me. So there came a time when all of a sudden, I know uh, we lived in Arkansas for quite a few years. And I remember back to where we were in California for some reason, I had an aunt and my grandmother lived out in California. And my dad was being in court for being sexually abusive to my sister which he felt was the way that you taught your daughters all about sex, which didn't make sense to me because my dad was a very big Bible reader every day. He would mark special uh, passages in the Bible so he would remember them. So the two to me did not go together at all. But anyway, he was accused of all this and had to go to jail. And then that left my sister and my brother and my other brother and me out here in California to live with my aunt and my grandmother to try to get by. I'm not sure how much time he had to spend in jail, but when he got out, The older sister and older brother was taken away from my mother because of what my dad did. And so my aunt offered for my mother to stay out here in California so that she could keep her four children together and instead decided to go back to Arkansas with my younger brother and me. Did not understand this at the time, but in my later years, I was told by my mom that my dad threatened her that if she did not come with him with us last two kids, he would come back to California, which in part of his sentence, he was forbidden to ever re-enter the state of California. That he would come back and he would find her and us kids and he would kill her and all four of her children. My mother always believed my dad because whatever my dad ever told her, he normally followed through with whatever the threat was. So we packed up our bags and my mom and my brother and I came with my dad back to Arkansas. Big mistake, but those are things that you learn later on in life. So I was also told that later on in life, when I became 13 years old, regardless of where we were, my dad would do the same thing to me. So hopefully I didn't learn this until I was older, but while I was back there as the youngest of the family, I got to witness him and his abusiveness so I I believed everything my mom told me of how bad he really was. There were no homes for her to go to in those days. And she had no money. He kept her poor. There used to be a saying something about keep your wife pregnant and poor and she will never leave you. I guess my dad must have believed that. Anyway, we went back to try to make the best of what we could. My dad owned a sawmill. And as a five-year-old, my job at the sawmill was once my brother handed the logs onto the railing, it would go through and take the slabs off of the logs. My brother would put the slab up on these railings that went out, I got to push out to a fire and it would burn up the slabs and i remember one time doing this and at the very end one of the boards came loose i stepped on it and i fell and luckily i fell at the edge of the fire instead of in the fire so my dad immediately runs down pulls me out hits me as hard as he can and said why are you so stupid that you didn't know that you shouldn't step that far out on the boards. I'm only telling this to give you an example of some of the things that I didn't understand that this is what fathers did. So that was just kind of one example. And in order for him to get the logs for the sawmill, we had to go out into the forest where we lived and my dad would cut down the trees. And we had a pet horse, which basically belonged to me, and her name was Queenie. Loved that horse. She was a small horse. She was not a, um, a big horse to do logging. But my dad decided that Queenie was going to pull these logs back to the sawmill. He would chain her up, hook her up to one of the logs, and hit her with a chain to tell her to move and pull this log. I got to stand there and watch my horse try to pull this log as much as she possibly could. Meanwhile, he is beating her and beating her. I am crying and crying and yelling, please stop that, please do not hit my horse. But my horse pulled as hard as she could and eventually she would move it inch by inch until she could get it to where she wanted it to be okay that that's another example also as kids we usually all got to have our own whore, uh, uh, excuse me dog and like i said animals were precious to me and this dog became like a therapy thing for me and why i did this i don't know but I always felt like the dog should have a purpose. So I would always get one of my mother's purses that had a handle on it and I would put it around my dog's neck. So that way she had a purpose and I got to keep whatever little rock that I found or anything, a pine cone, anything that I thought was beautiful in nature, I would put in this purse as long as it wasn't too heavy for her to cover. Well, unfortunately my my brother, he had a male dog, I had a female dog, and of course they were not fixed. And so there were times when we would have puppies. My brother and I were pretty happy about this because like I said, the more the merrier. Well, my dad didn't look at it that way. He looked at it that, oh my goodness, that's more mouths to feed and I could barely feed my, my family. So he would put them in a pillowcase and he would take my brother and I, we would walk down to the, the creek. This is where we call the, the swimming hole. And it was, it was a few miles down there. And we would, he would take us with us and he would show us how you get rid of the puppies by dunking them under the water and not letting them come back up. Now, I'm sorry, this is really graphic, but I'm trying to put a, a, a point across of what some kids probably even live through worse than that. But it made quite an impression on me. Okay, moving further ahead in in my life, I don't know what happened between my mom and dad. She had been married to him for 19 years, but whatever happened, she came to me one day when we were in Arkansas on this farm that was way back in the sticks that they were getting a divorce. I can't even tell you as a little one, I I wasn't even sure what divorce was, except I knew one got to leave the other. So my dad gave my mom a ticket on a bus, and he gave our family just enough money to get back out to California. So we entered this bus, and inside my mother and my brother and I, the joy and the happiness we could not show until the bus left the station and we felt like we were free at last from this man. So consequently, because of what I always have known and seen, my dad put my mother through and his children i have had very very mixed feelings towards him most of them not liking him because i did not like this type of action so we come out to california and my uncle which was my uh, father's brother was the complete opposite of him you would not find a more loving caring man than my uncle Floyd. He took us in, fed us, had my mom give her a car so that she could go look for work. And she ended up being a housekeeper for Marine people, Marine uh, status in Santa Ana, California. She was a very good housekeeper and she also babysat their kids. And so she started making a living for us and we eventually got to move into an apartment. Anyway, eventually a friend that lived back in Arkansas when we were there, he knew how my family had lived. He came out to California and he offered to marry my mother and help raise us last two kids. His name was Homer Scott and you will not find a more gentle, wonderful, wonderful man than him. But my mom did tell him I am very grateful and thankful that you're doing this, but I must let you know up front. I love you, but I am not in love with you. And if you are willing to do this, we will be married and help raise us last two kids. So, this we did. And after they were married, we moved into another home that was bigger. It was still a very old home, but It was wonderful for us, and I lived there while I went to junior high, and of course, back in the day, as they say, I walked five miles, even in the snow and the rain. Not true. Uphill both ways. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, as I walked, there was a uh, cable company that uh, was up the street that I had to pass, and then I'd go over the railroad tracks and then on to school. And one day when I was walking home, now remember, I was told when I became 13 years old, my dad was going to come back out to California, and he was going to kidnap me, and he was going to show me the facts of life like he did my sister. So knowing this, I turned 13 while we lived there. And walking home from school one day, I'm by this manufacturing area, almost home, and our home set in the middle of an orange grove. And this car stopped and this man yells at me, hey, little girl, wanna ride home? And immediately I thought, oh my goodness, I know that's not my dad, but maybe he sent someone to kidnap me. And I ignored him, I did not look at him, I just kept walking. And he yells again, hey, maybe you didn't hear me. I'm going to go up and turn around and come back and get you. So he started moving his car. And the minute he started moving, I took off running. And I ran as fast as I could. And I ran into the orange grove and ran and ran and ran. And I'm crying and crying. And I run to our back door. And as I pass over the driveway to get to the back fence, and I'm screaming and crying. My brother is washing his car in the driveway and he hears me. I run in the house, he runs in, wants to know what's going on and I describe what happened to him. He insists on calling the police and the police come and they took a report. My point is, I wonder to this day, should I have ever been told that, to have this fear? or was it good that I was told that so that I would know if anyone tried anything like that, I was to run and get out of the way? I don't know. But I do know that it did put the fear almost to this day of to be careful of people that you don't know. And living in this day and age, we do have to really be careful of who we trust and it's up to us to find out who that is. So this is kind of how my, my life went. Uh, I When I got into high school, I got into athletics, which really helped me a lot. Uh, my mother always said I was kind of a child that uh, I didn't trust a lot of people. So consequently, I spent a lot of time by myself. And I, I think I am a person that I like me, so I don't mind spending time with myself. I do like friends, but you know I, I, I had friends while I was in school and I was very picky about who I trusted and who became what I would call a close friend. So I would pray a lot when I became of the dating age, that I would meet a man that believed the same way I did, which I kind of knew when I was in the beginning of my uh, middle school years, my career would be a mother because what I had seen being the baby of the family going on taught me exactly how I wanted to raise my family how I wanted to make up for the bad person that I seen my father to be. And they taught me all these things. And at the time, I did not realize that. But using all the things, and I didn't see a lot of what others saw, helped me become a decent, moral, Christian person. And that's what I wanted to be. I also wanted a chance to try and be the best mother I could be. Because I will have to say, being raised in the time that I was, women were pretty much a mother. There were a few uh, friends that I had that they had careers. And I used to think, you know what? If they enjoy that career, as much as I enjoy uh, being a mother, I say more power to you. But my point being is, The things that I seen my other part of the family go through, and I mean aunts, uncles, grandparents, whatever, as the baby of the family, I soaked that in. And it always let me sort. This goes in this pile because I never want to do that or be that person. This here is such a good thing. This needs to be taught to my kids. This over here is mediocre. Can I change that? Can I make it better? That goes in that category. That is what my bringing up helped me to be. Praying every night about, especially when I got into my high school years dating, that I would find this person that believed the way I did. Let me tell you what, God answers prayers. He really does. Because one day, my brother was having a, a uh, dinner at his home, and I had just broken up with a person on a Friday that I didn't love. But you know what? Breakups still hurt when you're when you're young. And so, consequently, I had told my mother, "I don't care if I ever date again. I really don't want to be around boys ever again." So you know, if I'm not dating, don't think there's anything wrong. I, I just not going to do this anymore. That was on Saturday, because I would cried all day Saturday on this breakup. So when she came to me and said, we're going to have dinner at my brother's house on Sunday, I said, no, I, I don't want to be around anybody. I'm not good company for anybody right now. And my mom wasn't always a very stern person. She was very mild and meek. But she says to me, no, you're, you're going to go to this dinner. You need to be around your family. And I thought, well, yeah, probably maybe I do. So come Sunday, we go to my brother's house. And when we walk in, my sister-in-law is peeling potatoes. And my mother immediately goes on over and puts her apron on and she starts peeling potatoes with her. And my uh, sister-in-law, she says, you know what? Floyd and Louise, they're, they're in the other room. You might want to go say hi. And this was a couple that my brother used to hang out at their house and a a lot of other guys that were in this car club that my brother was in. So I thought, okay, so I go in there. Well, there was another guy that was in there, which I thought might be dating her daughters. I really didn't know. And so I'm saying hi to them and they're introducing me to this guy by the name of Bob. And so I look at him Cannot tell you how this happens, but I'm looking at him and I say hello, and immediately my thoughts go, I think my future is sitting on this couch, <laughs> and I I I don't know how to explain it. That's just exactly the thought that came to my mind. So I run in the kitchen and I look at my sister-in-law and I said, Oh my goodness. Who is that good looking guy in there? And my mother turns around and she said, what happened to yesterday <laughs> we we're dating and we weren't going to go with boys anymore or whatever. And I looked at her with a big smile and I said, that was yesterday. This is-. <laughs> so that shows you just how fast your life can change and you need to open up to some of the things that are changing in your life. And I will have to tell you, we started dating from that point on. And I say this to my family and I will say it to you. That's the day my life really started. Not that I had such a horrible life when I lived just with my mother because she was my security blanket and wonderful to me and I loved her dearly. But this man came into my life that believed the same way he was looking for a woman that would raise his children and want to stay home and we could put out productive children. In raising my children, I went back to a lot of the things that happened in my life and those categories that I put all these good and bad things in, I pulled out to help me know what's the good things to be taught Because, you know, children do not come with an instructional book. You just have to know. And somehow God gives you these good things or bad things. And you must listen to what he's telling you. And so I pulled out all these things that I thought were the good things. And between my husband and I, we would discuss these things to know one or the other. Was my family perfect? No, it was not perfect. There isn't such a thing. Were we the perfect mom and dad? No, we were not the perfect. We fought just like other people did. I had opinions. He had opinions. But we talked it out. And we decided what was the best way to handle this? Does everybody have a problem child in their family? Yes, but you love them. And you try to teach them the best you can. Because you know what? they grow up and sometimes they have children and then they know what mom and dad went through. (laughs) But I think my whole point of telling you this is, use your past, if it wasn't a good one, for all the things that you know are wrong and that are not moral. And use that as your guide to be the best person that you can be. And I think by using all that and knowing right from wrong, and we all do, even though we say, I know that's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, 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 no. That's not how to succeed. That's not how to be a better person. And you know what? People are so smart. They see right through you. They know when you're sincere. They know when you are faking it. They know when you're a good friend they know when you're a bad friend they know when you're a user they know when you're helping everybody don't think you're ever getting away with anything because us people are smart
0: well as you can all hear if you're listening on apple or spotify or any of our other platforms you now know where, uh, I get the gift of gab. Uh, you, ju- you just heard, heard from, from, uh, my, my main source, my mom, her story. And as I, I said before, uh, mom, this is exactly what you have just done is exactly why I wanted you to be on this podcast. Because right. when you, when you happen to just now describe, you know, seeing dad on, on that couch and you felt like that's when you're real, you're, you're, you know, your, your life had, had started, um, right there, you can kind of say you had rediscovered your passion and purpose by meeting him.
1: Correct. Yes, exactly. Because he was a very passionate man and Patty, you take a lot after him. He loved people. He loved to be a, a speaker, which he was for many, many years. He just was a person that people gravitated to him and we were basically really kind of opposites because I was not a very outgoing person. I was friendly and I got along with a lot of people, but with him, it's just like whatever room we walked into, it's just it like the sunshine came out and he brought me with him and brought me out of this shell. In fact, he used to tease me that uh, he was always told that I, I was in a shell all the time. And he said, you know what? After being married so long, I think I brought her out of the shell and now I can't put her back in it. <laughs> that was his big joke to me. <laughs> but yes, he, he was a wonderful man and uh, very outgoing. And you got a lot of his traits.
0: Well, what, one of the stories I would love for you to share on this podcast, because every for those of i'll let you you know on mother's day weekend the tradition started many decades ago that uh my mom and dad and uh my partner wit and i we would go and uh go to the orange county it was known as the swap meet not the marketplace at that time we would do that and then we would go to the crab cooker for lunch and then we would go down to where the wedge is in newport beach and spend some time there and then following that, we would uh, uh, go and put place flowers on the gravesites of my mom's parents and then my dad's parents. And even though my dad is no longer with us, we still continue to do that, that tradition. And right. one of the things that always, always, always happens, we get to this certain spot on our way to the crab cooker and there uh, used to be. There's a Del Taco, I think, that's uh, set up there now. There used to be a roller skating ring. So, Mom, you really do need to share that particular story uh, about when you and Dad were after you first met. What happened at that roller ring?
1: Yes, I I think it was probably about the second or third uh, date that we were on, and uh, I did not know that. Uh, he loved to roller skate because my cousin and I, we used to go to Santa Ana to a roller skating rink there and we would, we would skate, but we were not anywhere near professional. I could barely make it forward, let alone never try to go backwards. And so he, he says to me, uh, do you like to roller skate? And I said, oh, yes, I do. I says, I, I have been roller skating a few times. And he said, you know what? I've always wanted to learn how to roller skate. Could you teach me how to roller skate? And I said, well, I don't know if I can teach you, but I can you know, kind of show you what I know. And he said, okay, great. So when he picks me up, he uh, roller skated at a skate, this was way back in the day in Costa Mesa. It was very famous down there at the time. And so we go down there and when we go to get out, he pulls out a set of skates. And I said, I thought you said you never skated before. And he said, oh, these are my brothers. He said that I could borrow them. And I, I said, oh, oh, okay. So we go inside and I get my skates and he's putting his on and everything. And so we stand up and I got him by the arm and, and he's shuffling back and forth, you know, having a hard time standing up and all this. And so we go out on the floor and I said, Well, you know, hang on to me as much as you possibly can without us both falling. And so we start going around. And I said, You put this foot this way and this foot this way and you just kind of glide into it. And he's really hanging on tight. And we go around, well, we make one circle around. And so we get over almost halfway around. He said, you know what, I think I've got it. And I said, already? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, well, well show me what you got. Oh my goodness. He lets go of me and he's doing flips and turns and backwards and all. and all the girls are lined up on the railing and they are laughing, laughing, laughing. <laughs> At me 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 (laughs) I knew that if there was been a little hole in the rink I could have crawled into it
0: Mm -hmm. and I
1: came around and he's standing there looking like I could really skate I thought yeah it's pretty obvious that you really know how to (laughs) skate that should have told me a lot about your dad right there
0: you're absolutely right, and through all of that, you still continued to go on with the relationship, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> um, what would you What would you say um, through your life have been some of the people that have um, have inspired
1: you? Oh well, believe it or not, uh, my mom. Uh, to me, I, like I said, she she was everything to me. And uh, she inspired me to, cause she didn't believe in herself an awful lot. And uh, she was a, a very, I'm sorry to say, a very negative person because of the life she had led. And I used to say to her, mom, it's okay to be happy. And she told me, she says, you know, I, I can't be happy because Every time I am happy, something bad comes along to turn it into something very sad. And you know what? For her, that was true. I didn't quite understand it at the time. But after you get married and you have children and you meet other people and you learn about their lives and whether then I I understood that better. And I'm sure there's many happy. Uh, people out there that feel like being happy is a curse sometimes to them. it scares them just like with her and it was true every time it seemed like that she would get happy something bad or serious would happen to take away that happy in a flash and why this was I do not know Uh, that was supposed to be her life I guess but because I knew this I went out of my way to make sure that I was the best child that my mother could have as far as doing everything as I possibly could to make her happy. And when I would make her smile, I knew that I was helping my mom the same way she always helped me. So... Consequently, sometimes I would do some pretty silly things, but I I made her laugh and I made her happy. But through the years, honest to goodness, sometimes when I look at my kids, I am inspired by them because it gives me the gratitude to feel like what I put into them was the correct things to do. Were they a problem at times? You bet, they're children. This is what they're supposed to do. They go through certain stages of their life. It's not pleasant. But compared to today, they were really little angels compared to what goes on today. But for the times, sometimes it wasn't what I wanted them to be. And something my mother used to always tell me, be careful who you run around with because you are judged By who you hang out with. You are judged how you dress. You are judged on what activities that you do. Now, you may think that's old fashioned and you may think, oh, that's a back in the day thing. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, God made us to be judgmental, whether we want to be or not. And we can say, oh, no, I'm not that type of person. But you know what? I don't like being that kind of person either. But I find myself doing that. I don't like it, I don't want to be that way, but we are human beings and this is how we're made. And obviously it must be, we are that way to make ourselves better. If we can say, oh, I don't wanna be like so-and-so over there. Okay, you say it privately to yourself and you make yourself better so that no one has to judge you for what you're judging them for. So I've had a lot of people that I have looked up to, but trust me, they have to be exceptionally good people to believe in them. That's me, that doesn't have to be everybody.
0: So kind of going along with that, uh, what are, are, are there certain words of wisdom that people have given to you? I know you just mentioned what what grandma had just said to you, but are there other words of wisdom that have stayed with you throughout your life that that, that have meant something greater than others
1: to you throughout your life? I don't know if they're words of wisdom. I just know that people that have believed in me, like I had a counselor in high school, that she was also my sister's counselor in high school. And she kind of knew a little bit about our life. And she was another one that took me under her wing because she knew, like I said, I was, I was a pretty introvert, introverted person. And um, I don't know if this is words of wisdom, but she said to me one day, you know, Carolyn, you are a better person than what you're giving yourself credit for. And we are going to be having um, flag twirler, cheerleading tryouts and everything. And I would like you to go out for that. Well, trust me, that was not me at all. I, I did not want to be out where people could see me or I just didn't think I was that good enough. And I looked at her and I said, you really think that I have a chance And she says, how are you going to know if you don't try? And I guess those are kind of words of wisdoms there. And so I decided that, yes, I would try. And I was talking with my girlfriend about it, which she was another one that wasn't a real outgoing person. But she says, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's go try this. And we practiced and practiced and practiced. And the day that we had our tryouts or whatever, the next day they put a sheet up on the uh, bulletin boards so we could go and see who made it and who didn't. And I'm telling you what, this woman came with me and she had her arm around me. Mrs. Johnson was her name. And I looked at the board and I seen my name on there and I I can't even describe what it did for me. And I turned to her and gave her a big hug. And she said, see, you never know till you try. And so those words have always kind of stuck with me. You never know until you try. I just try to make sure that whatever I do try, it's a good moral thing. And it's for the better and not for the worst. So I I would say probably her.
0: Well, and kind of going along with those words of wisdom, those, whether you realize it or not, those those were uh, words that you instilled into us three kids growing up. Yeah. Uh in the way in one of the ways that I'm thinking about right now is that uh, you know, I learned very early on what you and dad were, were going along with that. You wanted us to get involved in things. In fact, yeah. you would not let us get a job in high school because you said there's going to be plenty of time after you get out of high school for you to work. In the meantime, we want you to get involved in as much stuff in school as you possibly can. And I remember in, uh, in elementary school, I wanted to I wanted to play the drums, but in those days, girls were not allowed to play the drums or, or the trumpet. We could play the flute or the clarinet. So I thought, oh, I'll play the clarinet. And I absolutely hated it. And I knew that you and dad were on a very tight budget and it was really a stretch for you to be able to rent that clarinet for me. And I wanted to quit. And I remember specifically you guys telling me that once you start something, you have to finish it. And then if you never want to do it again, you don't have to, but you started this so you are going to finish it. And it kind of goes along with what you're just now saying where you encouraged us, you don't know what you're capable of doing until you give it a try. But (sighs) once you do try it, and if you're going to pursue it, you got to pursue it to the end. You just can't quit in the middle because then you're quitting on yourself. But more importantly, if you're part of a team or a group, you're letting right. them down as well. Right. So right. that I mean, and so that was a great lesson for me to learn. Uh, I think that was in the fifth grade. And then it's like, oh well, let's try choir. And then, of course, you, as you know, choir stuck. And I did that, yeah. you know, the rest of the way all the way through high school. The other thing that that uh, was another lesson that I learned from you very quickly was uh, when I would come in and I would say, hey, I'm going to go to Beth and Joe's house. And then you would stop me and you would say, are you telling me or are you asking me? And it was another sense of learning about respecting other people and not just making assumptions And so, you know, those were, those are, there's many things I've learned from you and, and dad, mom, but, but kind of with what you're talking about right now, that reminds me of those two things. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, so overall, one of the questions that I ask all of my guests on my podcast is what is your superpower? So mom, what do you
1: believe your superpower was or is? Well, I don't know that you call it a superpower, but like I said, I knew from, we used to call it junior high, middle school, that I wanted to be a mother. That was going to be my career. Did I try other things? Yes. I I went for interviews on different things or whatever, but my heart really wasn't in it. But the most uppermost thing that I feel like God instilled in me was your career is a mother. You have the abilities, you have the knowledge, uh, you have everything you need to be a mother. And especially in my day, it was a very high thing for a person to stay home and teach your children how to be a productive citizen and a a good person. And you know, it's a huge, huge responsibility, raising children. That's why you always hope that when people decide to have children, it's not because, oh, our friends over here, they have kids. I guess that means we should have kids. I'm saying that lightly but it does happen or for any other reason. Um, And I guess because mothering was my career, I, I would be like somebody that had a career in a corporate thing. They're very high on it and they're gonna tell you how to accomplish this. I'm the same way as a mother. I'm telling you that it's a responsibility that you will never ever have in your life again. And my praise really goes out to any person that can raise children and have a full-time career. I don't know how you do it. I'm sure I I would do it if I had to, because I will say after my third one got into high school, I took a part-time job. And I worked at that very much. So it gave me a purpose to do that. But yet, I was at home when they left for school and I was at home when they came home from school. That was my priority. And it worked out great. And then I decided once everybody was out of the house, I took a job as a cruise, uh, uh, a cruise supervisor. And I used to book cruises and everything. What, what funner job could you have than that? And I put my whole heart and soul in it, but the best thing, like I said, God placed on my heart that to be a mother was what I was put on this earth for. And I gave it my best shot.
0: Well, and a superpower of being a mom that, I mean, that is the ultimate because uh, as, as you know, I always wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to have a career. And that I think also in a little in a little bit also let me know that I did not why that why I did not want to have children of my own is because I felt so blessed by the fact that you chose to be a full-time mom. And because of that, you were there when we came home from school. You were there before we left for school. You were our uh, girl, my, my Girl Scout assistant leader. You were team moms for our athletic teams. And I mean, you are our number one supporter, whether we were cheering or we were on the field or whatever we were doing, we were performing at school. Uh, that was that that was a full time job, Mom, and I I mean I think it's the hardest job that's out there. So talk about a superpower, yeah. most definitely. And I knew that it was not a superpower that I wanted or was instilled in me. So I, I, I'm I'm blessed and privileged that uh, being a mom uh, has been always been your superpower. So that is fantastic. Um, are there any other? Before we end our podcast time together, are there any other words of wisdom uh, or or life lessons
1: that you would like to share with our audience? Well, you know, um, this is a different time. This is a different age. I feel blessed that I am where I am in today's world. But I do watch the news and I try to keep up on things. And do I like what it looks like where we're going? No. Uh, is it as bad as the news says? You know, I, I don't think it is because as we all know, in order to make the media wonderful for people to watch, they have to make it exciting or they have to make it uh, sound worse than it really is, uh, I'm assuming. And so I I would kind of like to say, take part of this with a grain of salt and live your life as happily as you can. You know what, we all know how to live, whether we admit it or not. And we know right from wrong. So just try to keep on that path of working towards a goal that you've had in mind Put your whole heart and soul in it. Give it everything you have. But also remember when you're working towards this career, you also have a family if you do have a family. And remember, they're going to be in your shoes someday. So be sure that you tell them exactly how wonderful you think they are, how much you love them, And above all, show them respect. Respect was a big thing in our family. You may not like me, but please respect me. There you go.
0: There you go. Major words of wisdom from Carolyn Stulin. And, uh, Mom, as I said before, and I'll say it again, I am blessed and privileged to have you as my mother, and I appreciate you, as we learned from that wonderful gentleman many years ago about talking about how he appreciated his mom, but uh, I'm sure you can see, ladies and gentlemen, that are listening to this podcast, or you're watching it on YouTube right now, that uh, my mom's story is one that, that needs to be told because it is full of rediscovering her passion and purpose whether it was rediscovering uh, her passion and purpose for life after she met my dad or as she became a mom and the different things that happened by raising three children that were very different in each and every one respect and through all of it continuing to instill in us about finding what our passion and purpose was for right. our lives and and wanting the thing that i think is gr- most most notable and noble mom is the fact that you knew the things from your past that you wanted to change for your children. Because even though you have already said in this interview that our family was not perfect, me growing up, I always felt that we were as close to father's nose best as (laughs) could be humanly possible in the real world. That's how I felt that we grew up. Uh, And it's because of you and dad and the things that that you just mentioned. And then more importantly, in this next phase of your life, of rediscovering your passion and purpose for life after dad's passing, which uh, will be 13 years this coming September. And for many people, because of the death of their spouse, uh, of, of being together over 50 years, Many people will just decide, that's it. My life is done. My life is over. And I've just got to give you major props because of what you have done to continue to rediscover your passion and purpose over these last 13 years. Has it been easy? No, it hasn't. Has it been fun? No, it has not. But through all of it, you have pursued and you have done remarkably well because the other thing, the big thing was, you never lived by yourself ever your entire life. And after he passed away, that was, that was the very first time. So to see what you have done over the last 13 years and to be a part of your journey is, is a blessing and a privilege for me. Thanks Do we have Stephanie?
1: time, Patty, to tell the story of my dog? Oh, yes, most definitely. Patty decided that after my husband passed away that I should go to a grief class. I come from a generation that we never went to therapists or whatever, we heal ourselves. And when my mom passed away, I had my husband to help me get through losing her. But after he passed away, yes, I had my family, but they didn't live with me in my house or home or whatever. And so I decided, okay, I will, I will try going to these grief classes.
0: Well, and that's also preface that a month before dad passed away, your dog passed away also. So it was two
1: major uh, deaths within a month's time span. And please don't think that I put animals above human life, but animals mean an awful, awful lot to me. So... People were uh, saying, and I I said this also, that how hard it was to come home to an empty house because I've usually had either a person to greet me when I come home or I have a pet that would greet me when I would come home. And you don't know how much that means to you until you have none of that and you walk into a very quiet, quiet house. Well, one lady suggested that you turn a radio on and at least there's some noise in the home when you come home. So I did that for a while and it, it, it did help. It did help to have some noise. So Patty one day come to me and for those of you that don't know this and all her friends know it, I'm sure Patty is one that she doesn't always tell you when she's taking you someplace where you're going. And it's always a joy once you get there of wherever she's taking you but sometimes you don't know how to dress or if you need a heavy coat or a light sweater or what but it's always fun. So she comes to me and she says, "Mom, tomorrow after I get through teaching, I'm coming to get you to take you somewhere." And I said, "Well, I know better than to ask because <laughs> you're not going to tell me." She's, "You're right." So I thought, "Okay, So all the next day, I know my Patty pretty well. And I thought, you know what? I had already said and told the family. At this time, it had only been six weeks since my husband passed away. I couldn't hardly even tell you my name. Uh, I was very numb living in a world that I couldn't figure out why everybody else is still doing their life because you feel like your life has come to an end. And unless you've experienced it, it's just a very difficult time. And uh, and, and I, I told her, I, I don't I don't want to move. I don't want to buy anything new. I don't want to have another pet. I don't want to have anything for at least a year. I need a year to pull myself together. That being said, I thought, well, you know what? Sometimes Patty doesn't always listen to what I say. <laughs> and so I got a piece of paper out and I wrote on there, I think my daughter is taking me to go pick out a dog today and folded it up and stuck it in my purse. So in, later in the afternoon, my granddaughter comes to my house And I said, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, I'm going to go with you and Aunt Patty. And I said, you know where we're going? And uh, she said, well, yeah. I says, where are we going? She said, oh, I I couldn't tell you. Aunt Patty would be mad. And so I, I said, oh, okay. So Patty comes and she picks us up and we start driving. And so far we're going in the direction that I thought we would be going. And we pull into the newest dog shelter in our hometown and so I picked this note up out of my purse and I hand it to her and I said this is where I thought you were taking me today and she opens it up and she reads it and she says oh you know me too well and I said you know I told you I didn't want to do this she's oh just look just go in and look so we go in and when I was younger I had big dogs as I got older I started choosing smaller dogs and now that I'm older older I I want a dog that's past the puppy stage can't deal with that anymore anyway we go in and we look and there's German shepherds there's pit bulls there's lots of kitties which I I didn't want a kitty cat they're wonderful but I don't understand them as much as a dog and so I look around and I said, see, there's nothing here. It's not meant for me to get a pet today. (coughs) Excuse me. So she says, okay. Well, as we leave, the woman gives her a bunch of papers of where there's other shelters and to get a dog. We get in the car and she says, here, I don't need these, you take these. So I took them and stuck them in my purse and I come on home. The next morning, Sometimes things happen in your life that you don't know how to explain them, but I'm puttering around in the kitchen, and it's like this voice comes out of nowhere in my head, you need to go out to Zoomy and look at the dogs out there. (coughs) Excuse me. And I thought, no, I looked yesterday, didn't find anything that's telling me that, well, anyway, this voice hit me about three or four different times over the next hour and a half. And I finally turned around, I picked up my purse and the keys to my car and I got in the car and I go out to Zuni to look for a a dog. And I thought, see, I'm gonna go out there. I won't find anything. And then that will definitely tell me I am not ready for a dog. So I go out there and I start looking, well, there's lots of Chihuahuas and lots of these other dogs. I've had Chihuahuas back in the day. They bark a lot. They, you know, they're they're a fine dog, but I I I've already experienced that, and there were a lot of those. So I'll go on around, and we get to where uh, some of the bigger dogs are normally kept, and there's a couple looking at a big dog there, and the uh, gentleman that works there was walking by, and they said, "Are we allowed to take these dogs out?" And they said, "Oh yeah, let me go let me go get a leash." So I walked on past, in the next cage, which was a cage for a larger dog, was this little black and white dog sitting clear across the way. And I'm reading her thing, her name was Cookie, she's had all of her shots, she's ready to go. And so I'm looking at her and I need to back up here. My husband used to say to me as a joke, when I pass away, I hope I come back as one of your dogs because you take really good care of your dogs. And I says, and I don't you? He's, that's not my. <laughs> so I look over at this dog, and she's got her head all hung down and she's looking pretty sad. And she raises her head up and she looks at me with these big brown eyes, like, I know you. And she slowly gets up and starts walking to the other side where I am. And she walks up and presses her little body up against. The, the fencing and I reach in and I pet her and she turns back around and looks at me like take me and so when this gentleman that works there comes back I said is it okay if I take her out oh most assuredly so he gets a leash and leashes her up and they have this beautiful garden that you can walk out into and they have benches and stuff out there so I take her out there while well, she keeps jumping on me like she wants me to pick her up So I pick her up and there's a bench there. And I sit down and she nuzzles my neck. And I'm thinking, wow, you're kind of making this decision difficult. (laughs) And um, so she keeps on and on. And so I back her up and I'm looking at her and she just has these look in her eyes, like, you know me, I know you know me. And, And I kept looking at her and I said, Bob, are you in there? <laughs> and so the guy comes back and I said, uh, what, what's the story on this dog? He says, you know what? Take her in the office. They have a, a, a sheet of paper in there with, with everything you'd probably like to know about her. I says, okay. I says, you want to put her back? He's, oh, they allow dogs in the office. You can take her in there. And I'm thinking, yeah, you want me to spend as much time as possible with her. I, I, I know your theory. So I did. I go in the office and and they turn around and they said oh you have our little cookie girl and I thought oh she must have been here for a while they all know her so she walks up and I so I kind of wondered what the story was on this dog and she said uh, well let me get her paper so she gets the paper and she said uh, well first off I must tell you she has been adopted out but she was returned and I said why and they said well they said she was too hyper and, and I had not seen this in this dog. And I said, have you noticed that? And she says, well, let me explain. She says, uh, another daughter came in for her mother to get this dog and her mother is in a wheelchair and she uh, doesn't move very well at all. And so she brought this dog. Well, you know what? Any, any exuberance from any dog would probably be too much for her mother So she returned the dog and I thought, oh, oh, well that's nothing. And uh, so she asked what the policy was on the dog. She said they had found her out in the desert uh, that somebody had just probably let her go out there or she wandered away from home, be that whatever. And that she was about a year and a half old. And I could tell she was kind of past the puppy stage. So she said, do you know what our policy is? And I said, no. And she said, well, you pay X amount of money and uh, you sign these papers, but if this dog does not work out with your family or whomever, please bring her back to us. Do not sell her. Do not give her away. We want her back. And that's what you're signing that you will do this. So I did. I did all this. I thought, okay. She says, I have two weeks to find out. I, I'm going to know probably within the first week whether this dog's going to fit in or not, or whether I'm past all this grief enough to to handle her. So she gets in the car and immediately she jumps in the middle council and pushes up against me. And she's looking around like she's taking all the outside world in. Okay, I'm gonna fast forward that this dog that my daughter wanted me to have and that I didn't want to have Became the best therapy that anybody could ever put before me. I can only say she was put in my life for a purpose that was way beyond what I could ever, ever fathom. She is not, she's not a dog that demands, she has constant attention. She's an independent dog and loves to camp. And if you know our family at all, we have been campers for years and we normally have had a pet. This dog was made for camping. She has been with me now for 14 years. She is starting to show her age. And this is the part that I always hate, but it's, it's part of a dog's life. So to my daughter, I have always said, for somebody that did not want to get a dog, I guess you knew your mother better than your mother knew your mother. And so I thank you, Patty. I've said this to you many, many times. So don't always think what you should not have in your life is maybe the thing that you really do need in your life.
0: Well, and it's like you've told many people that you've shared that story with. uh, They'll say, oh, you, you saved that dog.
1: And what is always your response to when they say that? No, this dog saved me. People may not believe that, but you know what? A furry pet of any sort, if you're into them at all, they will show you the most unconditional love that you will ever have in your lifetime.
0: And so with that, having her dog, again, she rediscovered her passion and purpose for those little furry babies like we all seem to do. And mom, I cannot say thank you enough for being brave enough to take on the challenge of being a guest on my podcast, because you have been absolutely fabulous. I thank you so much for doing this. What a blessing. You're more than welcome. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Now you know where where I get most of this from, at least half of it. The other half, if he could be here, he'd be telling you and he'd be showing you as well. But I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose with Patty. And uh, know that each week, it is my goal to get out a new episode every single week. And if you would like to reconnect yourself with your passion and purpose, but you're having a little difficulties with it, then go to my website, which happens to be www.pathwayswithpatty.com and connect with me through a free 30-minute Zoom. Let's talk about what you want to have in your life and let's rediscover your passion and purpose. And for some of you that are listening or watching right now, if you would like to be on my podcast, I'd love for you to reach out and see what we can uh, come up with on what you're rediscovering, your passion and purposes, because I would love to share your story with everyone as well. So as I've said every time, and I will continue to say to remember to make it a great day or not, the choice is yours because life is an adventure. And I want you to enjoy the journey because your life matters. So thank you one and all once again, and uh, just Go out there and make it a great day. Love you lots out there and God bless you all.